0: Amos 3, 9 through 15. Proclaim to the strongholds in Ashdod and to the strongholds in the land of Egypt, and say, Assemble yourselves on the mountain of Samaria and see the great tumults within her and the oppressed in her midst. They do not know how to do right, declares the Lord, those who store up violence and robbery in their strongholds. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, an adversary shall surround the land and bring down your defenses from you, and your stronghold shall be plundered. Thus says the Lord, as the shepherd rescues from the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the people of Israel who dwell in Samaria be rescued with the corner of a couch and part of a bed. Hear and testify against the house of Jacob, declares the Lord God, the God of hosts, that on the day I punish Israel for his transgressions, I will punish the altars of Bethel, and the horns of the altar shall be cut off and fall to the ground. I will strike the winter house along with the summer house, and the house of ivory shall perish, and the great houses shall come to an end, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Another cheery word from our (laughs) great friend. Amos yeah. today. Keeps it coming. Keeps it coming. You know, I think a little interesting thing to keep in mind as we approach this passage is Amos is a shepherd. Yeah. He's a herdskeeper. So when he's talking about saving sheep from a lion, mm-hmm. we're talking about some on the job right. expertise. <laughs> dude dude knows a thing or two. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not just pulling images out of thin air. That's right. Um, so we are here continuing on through Amos three. Joined by the great, the beloved Tally Coughlin, and we're continuing on, and we are getting into the nitty gritty of the fall of Israel. Yep. Uh, which, on this side of history, we know uh, Amos was all too true in the words that he says. So, Tally, yeah, we're looking at this. We got some gruesome imagery, and then we just got some, you know, very linear. Like this is this is why. This is what you're doing wrong. Um, and this is what this is going to look like. So what are your thoughts on Amos three? The hot potato has been thrown to oh, you. Oh
0: man, it's bouncing around my hands. Yeah. Um, You know, <laughs> the Lord is again, showing us the strong will be brought down. Mm. He shows us that again and again, that the great strongholds at Ashdod and the strongholds in Egypt. And, mm. um, but then it's interesting, you know, it's, if, if we read Amos and we don't read, you know, second Kings or first Kings, we don't know the history of Israel and what's happening. We don't know what's happening on the mountain of Samaria and why they would gather there. Mm. Um, but it's important to know that that was an, a stronghold for the people of Israel and mm. they would go to these places and store up and be and strengthened there. But God is saying that he will surround the land and bring their defenses down. Mm. So, they were to go to their stronghold and probably found great comfort in the protection that it provided for them. Mm-hmm. But then God says, I'm going to bring down your defenses. Uh, your stronghold shall be plundered. Um, he brings down what is strong and mm-hmm. humbles the proud mm-hmm. always. Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, it's. Uh, It's interesting because when we talk about Israel's idol worship, um, we always need to be remembering that Israel has not like sold off the relics of Yahweh. Yeah. They still consider themselves a people of Yahweh. Mm. They just have some other gods. Just a little blend. Just a little blend. (laughs) A little little cocktail of, (laughs) um, you know, ancient Near Eastern religions. Right. Um, A little pluralism for fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, So, you know, he talks about, He's going to come verse 14. I'll punish the altars of Bethel. Well, that's where the, uh, the sort of statues and the, the stuff remembering this like weak, anemic false version of Yahweh is. And so God is coming, uh, you know, into the midst of oppression Mm -hmm. into the midst of injustice. And you know one of the first things he's going to upend is this misunderstanding of himself. Mm. This this robbing of his glory. Mm-hmm. And you know the he says the horns of the altar shall be cut off. He's talking about the altar of the God of Israel. Right. And uh I think a really important thing to see here is that God he has no regard for, you know, cheap disingenuous obligatory reverence right. of him. Yes. That that actually not only does it mean nothing to him, but it's actually deeply angering. And you know, it makes me think of Psalm 50, uh, God is rebuking the people of Israel. Um, you know, so a little bit of a theme here. Yeah. And uh he says, Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. So, you know, think of Amos's audience, you know, mm-hmm. they are offering burnt offerings to God. They are in some ways still observing Levitical law. Uh, Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me, but I won't accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. And he says, and this is such a powerful statement just about worship. Every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on Mm -hmm. a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine, mm-hmm. and so it's this very, very deep existential sort of, uh, you know, statement toward the heart of our worship, which is that this is not something that God needs. He doesn't need our attention. He doesn't sustain off of the things that we offer Him, but He's actually after something much deeper, which Israel has turned away from. He's after our hearts. He's jealous for our hearts. Yep. You know, for me, that was uh, I had this big like existential crisis when I was like a senior in high school. And, you know, I was coming to this deep, profound realization that I wasn't like the best worship leader and songwriter (laughs) in the world uh, at, you know, age 17. Yeah, And, but it really like, I'd put so much identity Mm. in what I brought to God's table Mm. that that was like really hard for me to like wrap my head around. Yeah, But what God graciously taught me through that is that He's not after the songs. He's not after the cattle. He's not after the birds. Mm-hmm. He has like all the songs of the earth yeah. are his, all the families of the earth, whatever you think you're like really bringing value to God's kingdom with, yeah. he has unlimited access to. Right. Yeah. But what he's jealous for is the heart. Right. And in some ways that is so comforting and beautiful because mm-hmm. it's so simple. Mm-hmm. Just come, come hungry yeah. to God's table and he mm-hmm. will feed you. But it's also, that's the offense of the cross, right? You have nothing to offer. Mm. And so his first order of business here is dealing with these false representations of himself where Yahweh is this thing that needs to be fed, Mm -hmm. that needs to be held at bay Mm -hmm. and not wholeheartedly worshiped.
0: Yeah. Well, he wants their whole heart, not Mm -hmm. not parts of their heart, Mm -hmm. not parts of their worship. Parts of their worship go to this God and part of their worship goes to that God and our offerings can go to Yahweh on Sundays. You know, mm-hmm. we ourselves have very much portioned off hearts of worship. We worship many other things mm-hmm. um, and don't even realize it. And this gives us a warning that God wants our whole heart mm-hmm. and is worthy of our whole heart's worship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting to recall. I mean, I, I think I may have said this before, but when we see the name of Jacob versus the name of Israel. Uh, because in chapter 3 verse 1 he calls them the people of Israel but then in verse 13 he calls them the house of Jacob Mm. that's worth noting um, because something happened between Jacob being Jacob and then being called Israel Mm. he wrestled with God and God touched his hip and blessed him and like Jacob surrendered and I mean Jacob's story is a tough one to follow you know Mm. Jacob and Esau he was a con artist he lied to his brother Mm. and, and his father and stole and there's there's so much to know about Jacob and again unless we're like reading all of the Old Testament a lot of what's said here we we miss. So the fact that they had set up a golden calf on the altar of Bethel like remember where Bethel was that is where Jacob set up an altar mm-hmm. unto the Lord. Yeah. And literally so this literally means holy, the house of God yes this yeah. holy house of God space has been utterly defiled by a golden calf. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to note when we're hearing and listening to Scripture, the names that God uses and the cities, they aren't for nothing. Mm. They tell us that something important happened here. Um, And and also, the horns of the altar shall be cut off and fall to the ground. That's another thing that I think we know without context. We just brush past and, you know, it's easy to misunderstand Scripture without context. And the context of the horns being cut off, that was part, if you go back to Leviticus— of the original temple and that indicated the protection of god Mm. there was four horns on the corners and the horns are going to be cut off the protection of god is going to be cut off from them Mm -hmm. that is for someone who helped build this and you know loved and cherished the original law and the the temple that god told them to build for that to be cut off that would be hopefully Mm. strike great imagery in them of what is being lost? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just find it interesting. If we don't know the context, it's so easy to, again, hear and read some of this and think, oh, winter house, summer house. Do they have a lake house? <laughs> you know, are <laughs> yeah, they going skiing? Yeah, like, yeah. what does this mean? A place
1: on Lake County, yes, yeah, Right. Absolutely.
0: But to me, both of those also speak of um, abundance. Mm-hmm. And that's the oppressive piece is that those who, are having, who have abundance are oppressing those who do not.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think it's just another great warning as we close. It's a great warning that um, you don't just wake up yourself and find yourself as the oppressor, but it's this slow turning of the heart away from God Yes. Uh, by relegating Him uh, to a facet yeah. of your worship and reserving uh, other worship for other things. Yeah. And that is actually what leads you not only uh, towards sinning against the law of God, but also towards oppressing other people, towards being a hurtful, harmful person. And our only hope is to turn to God fully and to entrust Him fully with our lives and our our hearts, and um, He will do the rest. Mm. Well, for the great Tally Coughlin, this is (laughs) Will Carlisle, and you better believe that we will see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm.